our speaker this morning. Before I do, I'm going to read some scripture to you that's going to be relevant for today's message. From John 20. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. And as he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. And they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then from Luke 4, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, anointed to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to captives, recovery of sight to blind, set free the oppressed, and proclaim the year of the Lord. I'm going to invite Shirley Carlson to come and join me here. Would you make her feel welcome? And depending on how long you've been part of Hills Church, uh, you will, this is the first time you've met Shirley, or you've known Shirley for a long, long time, because there was a time when Shirley was, no, <laughs> I didn't mean it that way. Maybe it makes me old. <laughs> but Shirley was once a pastor here at Hills Church, and uh, was my young adults leader for a few years, and uh, they were very special times. Back then, you were Shirley Hall, and then went to America to Asbury to study and met your husband, Greg, who's in Melbourne. Is he Melbourne at He's the moment? He's preaching today He's in preaching Melbourne. He's preaching today yeah. as well. Oh, that's really good. You're both preaching. But <laughs> Shirley is uh, a real dear friend. In fact, still a member of this church. Mm. And, uh, and we've been supporting Shirley and Greg for a long time uh, through, as they've been missionaries through South America and also as they've been mobilizing church planners and all sorts of things that God's having them do. But I don't want to take away all of the stuff that you probably want to share. But I did want to pray for you and Greg and your family this morning before I hand over the microphone. Father, this morning our, uh, as a church, we come around Shirley Carlson and Greg and their children who are scattered at this moment around the world, actually. And Father, as a church, we, we lift them up to you. We intercede. Mm-hmm. And we recognize many years of faithful service Service that's been hard at times and very rewarding and fruitful at the same time. And so, Father, we pray now for renewed strength. We pray, Lord, for courage where there needs to be courage. We pray, Lord, when wherever there's healing, that you will bring healing into their lives. And, Father, that there would be a unity between Shirley and Greg and yourself that is strong and powerful as they continue to serve, Lord Jesus. And God, I know their hearts are to see fruit amongst the people they minister to. And so we pray as they minister that there would be power in their their ministry, Lord, as they serve. That comes from you. Because we know, Lord, even when we're weak, you are at your best. You are strong. And this morning, Lord, as Shirley shares um, what's on her heart, we believe it's from you. We pray your Holy Spirit be moving through her in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. It's a real joy to be here and an honour. You could have a donkey standing here and it's just the Holy Spirit of God, isn't it? Communicating what he needs to communicate this morning. And that's the position we come in. Thank you for being such a wonderful church family. We're grateful. Greg says hi. He said make sure to pass that on. 
One quarter of the world's population shows significant forms of trauma, war, AIDS, societal disintegration, child abuse, violent crime, human trafficking, addictions, terrorism. Against such overwhelming circumstances, our current recovery systems end up looking like a Band-Aid on a volcano. My friend Carolyn in her nightclub ministry, she wrote, over the weekend in two different clubs, I walked in to find ladies crying over loved ones they had just lost to drug overdoses. A dancer, a boyfriend, and a best friend had lost their lives. They were people trying to escape their pain and took deadly substances for a few hours of escape from reality. We live in a really sad and broken world. What can we do about it? God has the answer, and Jesus shows us how. Peace be with you, Jesus said to them. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them. Those few verses are packed with volumes of theology, aren't they? Jesus had risen. He then appeared to Mary, and then she went and told the guys. They were a bunch of recently graduated Bible college students, Adam. They'd completed their three-year degree with Jesus, and now they were double-bolted in an upstairs room in hiding. They were terrified that what the authorities had done to their Jesus, their rabbi, they were going to do the same to them. And Jesus turns up in the middle of them. And he says, guys, don't be scared. Look, it's me. I'm here. You are not alone. How often, says Ogilvy, how often the contemporary church finds itself behind closed doors, fearful and ineffectual, living on the wrong side of the resurrection. Then Jesus says something to them. It sounds a little bit crazy. And he says, as the Father sent me, I'm going to send you. I want you to take 60 seconds to turn to someone near you what does that mean to you? Take 60 seconds. As the Father has sent me, says Jesus, so I'm sending you. Let's take 60 seconds. Turn to your neighbor. So in John 17, Jesus is talking to God. It's like a summary and a debriefing session of his time on earth. And he's reporting back to, to God. He recounts how he was sent. He reports back to his father how he faithfully completed the assignment that God had given him. So in the next half hour, I'm going to weave between John 17 and the scriptures that Pastor Nathan just read to us. Holy Spirit of God, would you just penetrate our hearts today? Um, you're good at that. That's your job. And I pray that we would leave this place with a fresh something in our step that is empowered by you and that we would leave behind those things that um, keep us in bondage and keep us um, holding back from everything we could have with you. So we commend ourselves to you this morning. Speak to our hearts. So the, before the disciples can go, they need fuel. Before we can be sent, we need fuel. And so Jesus breathed on them. Um, three words today, three points. First one, just remember Holy Spirit, all right? So the first one, Holy Spirit, we're sent anointed and filled and empowered by God's Spirit. So one evening, 
after preaching twice, feeling pretty tired, the voice of the martyrs man, um, Richard Vermbrand, you know that Tortured for Christ, good book to read if you haven't about. He, he, he was going home and he felt a real pull by the Holy Spirit to go to the pub over the road from his house and just go there. Somehow he sensed God leading him. And his wife said, darling, you can't do that. We don't even drink. And he said, she said, they'll slander us. People will see you going in there and they'll slander us. And he said, oh, come on, come in and they can slander us both. So he goes in there, <laughs> obeying, obeying what the Holy Spirit had said, this pull into this pub. And he knew exactly why as soon as he opened the door. There was a Russian officer, a military guy with his fingers on the pistol ready to let fly on anyone in that pub. He'd been drinking a lot and the, um, the pub owner denied him more drinks and he was furious. And so everyone was just like in lockdown. And, uh, and then Richard, no, nobody knew his language except Richard, Russian. So in he goes, he just quietly talks to the man in his native tongue. He calms him down, he sits at the bar, the guy has another beer, and he unloads on Richard, and Richard gives him the gospel. Jesus came to earth, he was born of a virgin Mary. He was born for us, he died on the cross, he rose again, and he's gonna come back and take us to eternity with him. That good old gospel story. And that man listened and he took it in because it was in his, he could hear in his Russian language what God had been saying. The pub owner said to Richard, I'll give you, offer you free drinks for life for this, thank you. <laughs> and so that was great for a teetotaler, wasn't it? How can we reach the ignorant and the poor if we are not with them? How can our churches understand deprived areas if the church is not incarnate in the deprived areas? How can we be salt and light in the darkened ghettos of our cities if we ourselves don't have any effective contacts and relationships with the Nazareths of our day? Quote, when we're controlled by the Spirit of God, we're going to display His fruit. That's the first thing. Just remember Holy Spirit for our first point. Being touched, our genuine love, deep-seated peace, and an unruffled joy that's not ruffled by the agitation around us or internally. I asked my Muslim friend to respond to this. I said to her, Bilkis, God sent Jesus to love us. As Jesus followers, we are sent to love others. I thought, all right, let's hear what she has to say. She said, in Islam, God, or Allah in Arabic, has multiple attributes. Islam promotes mercy and justice. And get this, what she said, I couldn't believe it, with less emphasis on love. I thought, there you have it, says it all. The Muslim Allah does not love. He's not relational. Um, he demands submission. But that's not our God, is it? Our God, the Trinity. Patty prayed it the other day in her crazy Bible study class. They're a, you've got to rein them in, Patty. They're a, an amazing bunch. Hey, And she prayed the very same thing. Our relation, the Trinity is just enmeshed in love for one another. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's the grounding of what our faith is. How we love each other has a direct impact on how people respond to God. Brandy is covered in tats, every ink color. She's got every piercing you can imagine. But she, her face always looks sad. And I would specifically stand in her checkout line at the farmer's market. So I, I just, she could have more peace. She could have more joy, you know. 
and you just wanted to be someone who could maybe put a smile on a face. And so as the months and um, years went by, I would just come on up to the checkout very quietly with all my stuff and, Brandy, how are you doing today? If there were one thing you'd want prayer for today, what would it be? And as the months rolled on, she would just unload all these things just quietly as she's scanning my stuff. wasn't embarrassing her. I was just in there, you know, in that space. And I pray for her. Recently, I got an email from my co-worker, Heidi, from our OMS headquarters, One Mission Society in Indiana. She said, guess what? I saw Brandy today. And she went to Brandy and she said, did you remember Shirley? And her face lit up. And Brandy said, with tears beginning to flow, she said, someone knew I needed that encouragement today. My friend Heidi responded beautifully, yes, Brandy, God loves to remind us of his loving care for us. And the tears flowed on poor Brandy. Through you, in 2 Corinthians, through you and me, God brings the knowledge of Christ. Everywhere we go, people breathe in the exquisite fragrance. Because of Christ, we give off a sweet scent arising to God, which is recognized by those on the way of salvation, an aroma, fragrance, perfume, scent with life. So if we're going to go about a ministry of healing and peace, we need God's spirit to breathe on us. Isaiah 42, remember the scripture? I've bathed him with my spirit, my life. Concerning the fruit of the spirit, then, we have a choice, all right? We can choose to walk according to our flesh, the pre-Jesus self. And some of you, I don't know if you out there and you haven't acknowledged Christ as Lord yet, but you're just on a spiritual journey as all of us are. We're just trying to um, gain it. So without Christ, here's the fruits of our heart. Little kids, we're born like this, right? Just a magnetism and a magnetic pull towards sin. Um, Galatians 5, desire, um, the works of the flesh... Desires of your sinful nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, yucky stuff, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Do you identify with that list? I do. How many times have I had to go back and ask forgiveness for the way I've spo spoken possibly impatiently or rudely to someone who served me in a store or... Um, or I've been cranky with the driver in front of me because they're going a little slow or less perfectly. And then, you know, I think what the Lord's helping me with now is to think, what if they're my teenage kid? Or what if they're my person? Would I speak to them that way? Would you speak to them that way? And so just to help keep a guard, Jay said yesterday at the prayer breakfast, we carry, you know, like the priests with their thing um, honouring God in the Old Testament, we carry the presence of God. Is that Our life's got to be consistent with that. If it's not, we've blown our witness. So we can choose. We can choose to walk according to the flesh, the pre-Jesus self, or we can choose to walk according to the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Jesus prays for us to be filled with joy, so that you may have your joy fulfilled in you, he says. Joy is when someone's delighted to be with you. There's this doormat I want to buy one day. It says, yay, you're here. <laughs> you know, we want, to be, we want to be welcome. We want Jesus. We want others to connect and say, I am so glad you're here. Even if you're not in the best frame of mind, you can be here and I will not reject you. So... Times we struggle to get back to joy is when we don't have 
the emotional capacity to bounce back from difficult emotions, sad, sad emotions. What are they? They're um, sadness, anxiety, depression, or shame. Did I say anger? And what's the last one? It'll come. Um, did I say shame, anger? Um, did, it'll come. Anyway, whatever it is, it's, it's sad. So <laughs> if, if we build, we can't just say snap out of it to people. The emotional joy muscle needs to be built. And you know how we can do that? I've been trying to practice lately. Just remember the acronym GAMES, G-A-M-E-S. So throughout the day, Daniel prayed three times a day. You might want to, you may eat three times a day. You may want to practice this GAMES. And it's practicing appreciation. And it builds that joy muscle so that you have the resiliency. So when those sad, sad emotions come, you have more of a muscle that helps you get back to the best version of yourself. So, games, G, gratitude. Just say thank you to the Lord for something that you're grateful for. A, anticipation, something in the future you're looking forward to that's going to bring joy. M, uh, that would be a memory, something in the past where you were joyful. What's next? Experience. E, that can be take a walk in nature, smell a rose, be creative. And then S is singing because it... If, um, I can chat with you later to get those again. It connects your left and right parts of your brain and your head and your heart, and it pulls it in. These are things that build the joy muscle, and joy is the thing that gives the, us the resiliency in life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are treasures forever. So these disciples are scared in the upper room, and they, Jesus says, wait. And when they waited... They waited for the anointing and the empowering of the Spirit of God in their life, their ministry and mission. The scriptures have it. There was the sound like a blowing of a violent wind from heaven, filled the whole house. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They began speaking in other languages and God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven each heard their own language being spoken. Everyone heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did you know Wycliffe Bible Translations, um, Wycliffe and New Tribes Mission put out a statement a couple of years ago that said something to the effect of every person alive on the earth today has a Bible translation that they understand. So the gospel is there. It may not be their mother tongue, but they can understand it. So folks, we're living on borrowed time. It's only the mercy of God that is holding back so that more people can come to him. So like Jesus, God provided us to live in the fullness of his spirit. That's the first point. Second one, we're sent with the authority of God all authority heaven on, well, given on heaven and earth, go make disciples. So the principle of Jewish authorization is the one who is sent is as he who sends him, like an ambassador, right? Uh, a commissioned agent. They act on the authority of the sender, and here's one, they accurately reflect the commission. Do we accurately reflect Christ because our lives carry his message? So there's a quick way to remember um, our covenant or what happens to us when we actually take on our new identity of Christ and not the old person that we were. And it's under PACT, P-A-C-T, simple way to remember the, the gospel. The first one is par we're pardoned. It's an old word, but it's two-sided like a coin. It, like on one side we're forgiven and the other side we're justified. And I'll explain that really simply. We're forgiven because our sins were nailed to Jesus on the cross, Right? So that's the one side. And on the other side, we're justified. God takes Jesus' goodness and deposits it into our account. So that's what pardon is. Isn't that the most amazing 
thing. I mean, I just wanted to keep worshipping this morning. That's all I wanted to do. And that, to thank Jesus for what he's done. So that's the P, the pardon. The A is the adoption. We are adopted as heirs in the kingdom. We receive an inheritance of God's kingdom. C, we're citizens. We are citizens of heaven. We are no longer of this world. And we're, but while we were here, we are here. We are his ambassadors. And then T, P-A-C-T, T is we have a title, and that's of saints. When we give our lives to Christ, we receive his Holy Spirit. We're set apart. He begins his sanctifying work in us. And there's that ongoing work. And then there's these crisis moments too where God's Holy Spirit can come upon us and deal with that yucky bent we have towards wanting sin. And he can help us with that. So that's the authority we have in Christ. We live in this new identity. So if you want to look at three, three levels of uh, where we stand, we have humans that are down here. This is a human who has not received Christ as Lord. We have angels and demons next in the spirit world, unseen forces. And then up the top, we have... We are seated, the throne room of God, heated in the, seated in the heavenlies with Christ. When we become believers, we move from down here to be seated with Christ. That's where all authority, the presence of God, the fullness of the Spirit of God. So when we act out of our flesh, we're back down here acting like a carnal, non-believing person. But when we're up here living out of our identity in Christ, that is the norm for the Christian life. We're in a spiritual battle. Um, Jesus prays for us again to be kept from the evil one. You know about putting on the armour of God. Just mind where the gaps are. Mind that the, the rust doesn't rust, doesn't, isn't in ill... Ill um, you haven't maintained your armour. Um, you don't want it to wear out. You want to keep it in um, good condition. In this battle, in this spiritual battle, um, a really good way to think of our responsibilities and our identity is to act like a lawyer on one hand. We act like a lawyer because we're looking for and we're trying to identify and expose areas where we've given permission to the enemy to put a toehold in our lives. Just like a lawyer, he's trying to find the case, right, in the courtroom. We are also like policemen because that's we're going to work on the authority. Once we've identified the ground given to the enemy, then we have the authority, and as a policeman, we enforce it. A policeman just pulls you over, and you can't say sorry. Um, you have to, he has that authority, and we have all authority to bind, loose, and evict the evil one. So when you bind the evil one with this authority, we're restricting the demons so that the person we are trying to help can function enough to express their will. But again, they have to have given their life to Christ. Um, otherwise, they belong to Satan, right? So you can, with, we bind and we loose. How do you loose? You loose the chains and the bondage and the cords that Satan has placed around us that create bondage. And you do that by cancelling agreements and assignments that you've made or vows you've made where you shake hands with the enemy. And I want to tell you five ways in which Satan can gain a toehold or a foothold in our lives. Um, and it's under SOUL, S-O-U-L-L. -L. By the way, a lot of these little acronyms come from some training with Deeper Walk International. Deeper Walk International, it's the most amazing ministry to help you get deliverance and freedom and live out the fullness of Christ in your lives. 
So how does, say, how does Satan hold us as believers prisoners? Because we're in a spiritual battle. He's not worried with people who haven't come to Christ because he's got them. But he is worried with us and he's going to work relentlessly to divide and destroy. Steal, kill and destroy. That's his little pattern. So first thing is with soul, sin. If you have habitual sin in your life that is unconfessed, that's a toehold. That's like a game of risk, you know, where you get into the next country. You just get over the water into that country. If you can just get a couple of soldiers there, you, you've got chances. And especially a foothold is you get a few more soldiers there and then you can take over the place. That's what the enemy does in us. Unconfessed sin, so sin. The next thing is occult. If you've ever been involved in any occult activities, and there's a whole list of them, um, whether or not it was just in fun or it was in ignorance or naivety, you've got to renounce that because that immediately lets you shake hands with the evil one because the occult is his territory and you have shaken hands with him. You've made a covenant with him. Whether or not it was a joke or not, doesn't matter. So you've got to renounce that. Unforgiveness, S-O-U, unforgiveness or resentment or bitterness. Let me run on this one because this is a tricky one because all of us have people we need to forgive. They don't deserve it, no. They don't deserve forgiveness, some of them, for what they've done, atrocities. But this is what forgiveness does. Forgiving removes the bonds of bitterness and resentment that keep us spiritually connected to someone who has wronged us. I want to say one more thing about that. I want to get it right. You loose, when you're binding and loosing, you loose someone from the chain that keeps them bound to you. If you are bound up in resentment and bitterness, then forgive. And in the courtroom of heaven, you give up your right to judge or punish that other person. Give God your judgments and punishments for that other person. And he will make sure they get it according to how he believes and how he feels that he can best manage them. Be free from their chains that keep you bound to them. It's not, not minimising the offence. It's not doing any of that. But it's setting you free so that God can deal with them, and he will. And you can be free to grow and not be um, stuck. When my mum and dad were in the Solomon Islands after World War II, dad was there for a term of four years and then married mum, and then most of my older siblings were born there. And um, he built a Bible college with his hands, and then they were with cannibals and headhunters and stuff back in the day, you know? Big old, big canoes decorated. And I've seen the old sepia photos of it. And those people said to mum and dad back then, they said, you white people don't understand about demons and evil spirits and all that sort of stuff. And mum and dad didn't because there were some illnesses that came. There were some curses. There were other things. They didn't know how to manage it. But with Christ... We have all authority. We're seated in Christ. We're not to be afraid. We don't, have the, we don't have the power of ourselves to combat the enemy. He's awful and evil and wicked. But with the authority of Christ, it takes a word. But you've got to find out where the ground was given because they have a right. If the ground was given, he has a right to affect us. Um, The devil will try and get us to believe lies about ourselves, others, and God. And so that's another thing with lies. S-O-U-L, lies. We've got to counteract those lies with the truth, the truth of God's word, which totally removes the ground that the enemy might hoodwink us into thinking, I'm not good enough, or I always have to make sure I'm one step ahead of God, or I can't trust God to defend me or keep me safe or stop that abuse or whatever it might happen to be. 
So don't let the devil speak lies to you. Counteract them with the truth. And then lineage. There's two L's in soul. Um, lineage is um, any generational sins. that You see patterns of, of suffering or dysfunction or other things that are um, put throughout, whether it's, whether it's affairs. You know, the granddad might have had an affair, then the dad, then the... And then you need to cancel these illegitimate pregnancies, um, any other maladies or things that happen, illnesses, go back on the generations. Has anyone as a believer taken the responsibility to renounce that in Jesus' name and cut it like a number like a cord and sever that from affecting and um, contaminating your generation of people? There's a lot of truth that the word of God is truth and the word of God, the washing of regeneration by the renewing of the word in our lives. It's a cleansing, purifying thing. Submit to God. Resist the devil, he'll flee. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hearts, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be well-balanced and always alert because your enemy, the devil, roams around incessantly like a roaring lion looking for its prey. Take a decisive stand against him. Resist him in your faith. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. So the world will wound us. We are all wounded by the world. There is no fully functional family. Every fa family is dysfunctional in some way. So the world wounds us. The devil lies to us. He tries to make us believe those lies. And then the flesh, in our flesh, in our carnal self, we, we build up vows in a defense against those lies or the woundedness that we carry. And so when we're young, we, we build up these little um, walls around us because of wounds or offenses against us or any sort of, any negative thing where we're wounded by the world or people. And we build up these fences to protect us. But then when we get older, they become prisons that encase us and we're not free to be the fully victorious people. We wonder why we keep getting stuck in these areas. And that's the deliverance that um, God brings to us. The devil sets, he wants to set up his kingdom of strongholds in the pockets of our pain. I love that song this morning about breaking strongholds in Jesus' name. So remember those soul things because that's how you break them. Um, it's not about yelling and, and keeping on like out-of-control person who may manifest a, a de demonic manifestation, but it's get to that root stuff and just pray and renounce and confess and you'll see that all the ground's taken away and that you have to command the demons to flee because they have no legal ground, no legal right um, to be there. A little boy was heard saying, just a little fella, he said, bad thoughts go away in Jesus' name. You are not welcome here and if you don't leave, I'm going to call on the Lord and he's going to smash you to smithers. <laughs> so congregation, as it's a no-brainer, God's spirit is alive and well in this church fellowship. It's just beautiful to see. I'm not saying there's not imperfection. There can't be until eternity. But Satan will ask to sift you as wheat. But Jesus prays for us that we be strong and we will not fail. There's a word picture. Some of you might be just thinking, ah, this demon stuff, Christians, how they're influenced. Um, you know what? I've got a theology that's going to disprove that. Well, I'll share something with you that might help, and we can chat later. Um, Ezekiel was in the temple, right? The Old Testament tem temple. You've got the Holy of Holies, where the Shekinah glory of God is. Then you've got the inner court, where the priests do their sacrificing and stuff. And then you've got the outer court. 
So in Ezekiel's vision, all these priests were offering sacrifices to other gods. And there was just yet at the same time that God's glory was in the Holy of Holies. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Right? We've been bought with a price. The Holy Spirit lives in us. He lives in our heart. It's like the inner Holy of Holies. The full presence of God lives in our heart. The Holy Spirit lives there. Well, then in the next court, it's like the mind because there's so many scriptures um, where Paul says, take your thoughts captive, resist the devil, do all these other things. Uh, battle starts in the mind and then you get into these little patterns. So the mind is like that next court where the um, priests um, are offering their offerings. And then the flesh is like the outer courts, just like Jesus made up those whips and said, get out of here. This is not what the temple of God is for. So our mind and our flesh can be really influenced by the enemy and the way he comes relentlessly to attack us. So remember that, um, to take our thoughts captive. We're given the authority to continue Jesus' priestly work. It's a ministry of forgiveness. Jesus' blood cleanses our sins and sets us free. It's his forgiveness that we offer others, like Brandy and the Russian soldier in the pub. You and I, as Jesus' disciples, have the task of continuing what he started. I love the scripture, Isaiah 42. Choose a multiple of translations or, or paraphrases. It's absolutely beautiful. I'll read it now. I am God. I have called you to live right and well. I've taken responsibility for you. I've kept you safe. I've set you among my people. That's you and me, all of us. God has set us among his people to bind them to him providing us as a lighthouse to the nations to make a start at bringing people into the open, into light. Here it is, opening blind eyes where there's been deception, releasing prisoners from dungeons, that's the binding and the loosing, and then the emptying, the dark prisons, setting people free. We can live in freedom, folks. We can. That's what the cross of Christ is all about and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives and the authority as we are seated in the heavenlies with Christ, acting with Christ's authorities. You know, um, missions and being sent, it comes at a cost. It really does. I, you know, the, the memes of today, all those things. Well, back in 30 years ago, I had these, remember those old little posters you'd pick up from the Christian bookstore? They had all these little memes on them. And one I had said, Jesus promised his disciples three things. They would be completely fearless, absurdly happy, and in constant danger. And so missions and being sent is a death to ourself, death to our own interests, and our own flesh, Right? Um, I, I look at the cost to Greg and me over these last 27 years when I've been away from Australia. And I came back after 27 years and my mum and dad are not here. You know, they're gone. And I thought, blow it. I wanted to get, I wanted to, get to know them or spend some time with them. And I didn't get to... There's, we're a massive family with just heaps of nieces and nephews and, and they've got babies, we've got babies. And, and I, I, I haven't grown with them in their relationships. I haven't um, c celebrated birthdays. I haven't been to their weddings. I haven't... I went to the first one, Lauren, you know, Rod and Heather up in Toowoomba, their eldest, Lauren. So Rod's my brother, one of my, um, one of my brothers. And that was the first niece wedding, nephew wedding I've been to. And so I just... It is a cost. It is a cost. And now I see my kids doing that. I've got Micah and Abby in Indiana. Well, how can you... 
You can't uproot her family and her life unless God calls them here or wherever we go. And then there's Maddie at YWAM at the moment for volunteering the next year at the coffee shop there. And then, but she's got a boyfriend from Oregon and so they've got family there. And then Nico, um, he's in Montana at a Glacier National Park working and he's got a sweet girlfriend there. And then we've got Tiffy with us in Melbourne. So I don't, there's another generation of cost. And um, it's sad, but you do, you do what be, you believe God asks you to do. You say yes to him, and then you, you receive the mantle he places over us. A mantle of zeal, a beautiful verse, Isaiah 59, 17, clad with zeal as a cloak, or the mantle of zeal. That, and that's the fullness of the Spirit of God over our lives. So the first point was the Holy Spirit, right? And the second one was authority. And the third one is oneness and unity. Oneness with God, which we've alluded to, and then um, staying in the vine, staying connected, and then into community. And this is where I'm going to pull it down now. We're going to finish up soon um, because this is where we come in today. Um, the one God consists of the loving relationship between Father and Son, which we spoke of in how God lives through us by his spirit. Jesus prays that we be one. I'm praying you all may be one. If we are not O-N-E, the world will not be W-O-N, right? If we're not one with God and one with each other, the world won't be one, W-O-N. There's so much damage um, done in churches in the name of churches and mission fields through believers um, not living in the spirit, not living with the authority of Christ, not living and maintaining oneness and unity with God and each other. Here's a quote, quote by Ed Stetzer. Too many churches have become cul-de-sacs on evangelism highways. Too many churches have become cul-de-sacs on evangelism highways. So recently, I'd been praying, God, show me who, as I'm trying to establish roots and Greg is, trying to find people we can, like, you grab by the throat, please be my friend, you know, we need friends. And so um, we found this small group, found this little church, and... Um, I've been praying, Lord, who can I intentionally invest in? And, and then a girl, a young adult girl from the small group came to me and said, would you please invest in my life, do more life together with me? So I'm really excited that that's how it's supposed to be. Um, we're supposed to have authentic and loving relationships. Um, yeah, lockdown, and especially in Victoria, has been pretty brutal. And um, then Greg, of course, changing cultures, um, has been uprooted from all his friends, all his relationships, all his everything. And so it's been, um, yeah, the, just a whole story. It's been a difficult year emotionally to try and gather the impetus and the strength to hang in there and feel like we're stable. But it's coming. It's coming slowly, and it's because of your prayers too. Um, the church, you as a church, have often offered us so much help. You know, Gavin and the team will ring once a month and say, all right, you're on for prayer Sunday. What do you want? What do you want prayer for? Oh, it's fantastic. And look, I've been vulnerable. I've been honest because, come on, we've got stuff, right? And life is hard. It's the hardest thing I've ever done. I thought when I was 30, I thought, oh, when I'm 60, I just turned 60, I'm going to be perfect. And you think, oh, my word, I, I just... It gets harder and harder, and life, it, more and more imperfection. 
and there's more. You don't know what you don't know at 30, you know? And then you, you get to 60 and you think, oh, my word, there's so much more to, to know. And I want to ask, publicly ask forgiveness for damaging any of you young people. When I was here those years, um, in case I did things that offended you, please, if there's something you need to talk to me about, I want to ask your forgiveness. Chat to me later on that. So as we round up now, um, on your website, the church here at Hills, you know the importance of authentic community. A church that loves a neighbourhood and a neighbourhood that loves a church. And you've got, you know, the Misho team just went to Mission Matters. So that's investing and getting exposure and understanding what's next, what goes on. From your own family here, you've had Rachel go to Turkey and Malaysia, Solomons with YWAM. You've had Jared and Alison, Thailand with Destiny Rescue, Nicole, Asia, New, New Zealand with YWAM, Amelia, Congo with Heal, Leanne, and down there with Ivory Coast, Ken and Leanne with Inner City Church Planting, R Troy and Lex, Riverside Access Church Planting, Dawn Gammon, um, Papua New Guinea Nursing, Tony Jenny, online apps and websites with Power to Change, Mervyn Marie, Puppets with YFC, and you've welcomed um, Jay and Robin as your missionaries and residents. And look, if there's some more of you I haven't mentioned, please come and, come and say hi and, and let me know because we want to celebrate you. It's just, it's, this is a live church. This is wonderful. Um, I just want to come in now as you think through and say, Lord, what is my next step for you, each of us? What is our next step? We're going to walk away with an application here. So how are some ways that you can be sent? You can be sent to a people group within your own community. You know of different subcultures around here in your communities. And we uh, tried to tackle it with the Young People Friday night. It was tricky, wasn't it, guys, like explaining culture. Culture basically is... What makes us us and them them? What makes, what, what makes us us and them them? So if you've got some subcultures in your community, be aware and get to know them and find out what are the differences rather than be affronted and um, impatient and judgmental and say, who would live like that? Well, we've got stuff like that too, right? So um, you can be geographically near but culturally far. So in your community, as you look out, they're, they're close to you geographically, but culturally they are way, way different. So what, how can that be done? There's a um, deaf community in Colombia, in, um, in Medellin, and the deaf are re totally rejected in the Colombian society. And so they started a small group for deaf, deaf people in the community. Um, what about... Um, ministering in specific areas where people are in bondage. Like Greg has for a number of years led physical groups of men and online groups, he currently does, um, for people, men trapped in the shame of sexual addiction. He's heard it all. There's nothing new under the sun. And so if that's an area that you are struggling with or need help with, there are, there, there's freedom. There's freedom in Christ. I want you to know it. And um, so Greg is actively involved in leading heaps of guys through that journey. Carolyn and her Nightmare um, Club ministry. So you can be a specific area dealing with people in specific bondages. What about volunteering professional skills? That's another way you can be sent. My friend Sarah has volunteered with One Mission Society and she's just spent time in Asia Pacific as a chartered accountant. Do you use that word here? A licensed accountant. Um, and she has trained a handful of nationals to learn how to do the books and stuff for their mission and their, their churches there. 
What about volunteering for short-term crisis needs? Like um, One Mission Society at the moment, we still need volunteers. Pay your way, um, go over to Hungary and um, drive a van full of supplies into Ukraine across the border two, three times a day, helping people. Um, still need people to do that. Um, young people with the ministry programs we've mentioned with the YWAM teams um, and Power to Change. My son, um, Nico, was in New Guinea recently with YWAM. Maddie was in Budapest with, with uh, YWAM. And then my nephew, Stu and Lyndall Hall's son, is in Powder Change in Perth. Um, what about short-term missions? You know, you've had... My niece, Anna, is heading off to um, Papua New Guinea providing, as a nurse, medical missions. Um, and then Sarah here, Sarah Knight. She's going to head to the North Queensland soon to serve in that community. So these are people from your church, eh, Sarah? So, or you can move across to another country, which many of us done. And what about that girl, Katie Majors, in the book Daring to Hope, who's adopted 13 young African girls, married girl with her own babies. And, yeah, so there's all sorts of ways that you can be sent. So I'm about done here. And I'm going to, um, Nathan's going to come in a tick. But I want us to just spend some time before the Lord and think, you as an individual, you've got to do the heart thing. You've got to get the heart thing right. Otherwise, you can't do this other stuff. The heart has to be right. And that's what this place is open for this morning. Get on your face. Get on your knees. There'll be someone to pray with you. Um, that soul thing, is there a sin? Is there a sin? Come on, look. Don't leave this place in bondage, all right? Is there a sin that's habitual, that's unconfessed? Is there some occult thing you need to renounce or burn? You've got to burn. If there's anything at home that belongs to the occult, burn it and renounce it. Um, oh, you, um, unforgiveness or resentment. Anything, you're going to cripple yourself. You're going to be in chains and barnacles and your spiritual life is going nowhere but down the tubes. Um, S-O-U-L, lineage. Are there things in your generational patterns that you want to take responsibility for and renounce and cut off like an umbilical cord? Just say, no more. This generation is not going to have it. And then lies. The devil wants you to believe lies. And does he talk in your head? And just take those thoughts captive and replace them with the truth. So the heart, just your heart, that's the first thing you want to come to the altar for. The second is, what's your next step in missions? There's been thousands of ideas this morning. Um, the Holy Spirit will tell you more. Um, Nathan, thank you.